Welcome to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I am an educator, speaker, mentor, and author. I believe in the importance of helping children reach their potential so they will become well-rounded, intelligent citizens with positive influence and impact in society. Join me to hear from experts who can help give parents access to the best skills, strategies, tools, and resources to help their children be successful and ultimately excel in the world. Hello, everyone. It's Helen Panos. Welcome back to my podcast, Achieving Your Child's Potential. And I have a special guest today with me, Deborah Donaldson-Scott, who is with Satara Advisors. And uh, that's an Atlanta planning group, investment advisor representative. And I want to welcome Deborah to our show. Hello, Deborah. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Helen. I appreciate you uh, having me today. And hopefully I'll be able to clarify some confusion people might have for college planning. But um, just very briefly, because of what I do being very regulated, I am supposed to have a disclosure for everybody. My company is Satara Advisors, LLC. And um, we're doing business locally in Atlanta as Atlanta Planning Group. And there are about um, 8,000 independent advisors. That means that we have the ability to do a broker-dealer relationship with clients or to have advisory. Any securities and advice that we offer goes through Satara Advisors. They're a broker-dealer and a registered investment advisor. And um, we all have our own separate uh, independent operations under them. Great. Thank you for that clarification. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, um, like, where you began your journey through time to what you're doing today? Well, I have been an advisor since 2000, but there was a kind of convoluted path to get there. Um, I grew up on a family farm and my dad was the traditional breadwinner decision maker of the entire family. And um, my mother relied on him for everything. She married him when she was 17. So um, he died very young and she was 51. He was 58 and I was in the ninth grade and the last child at home. And my mother and I were financial equals. So she was clueless and he had made all the decisions And suddenly she was completely on her own with livestock, a giant farm, equipment, trucks, just paying bills. She'd never done anything. Mm -hmm. So all through my 20s and 30s, I made mistakes and figured out how to fix it. Um, I worked my way through college. I have a journalism degree. So I was not introduced to financial matters through school. Mm-hmm. And I was a paralegal and had done that and went to a small firm that didn't have benefits. And a guy came to set up our benefits and was drawing on a whiteboard. And it was the first time I ever saw the rule of 72. 
which is how compound interest works. And I realized that I had messed up my 401k for 15 years. <laughs> and I chased him around the room to find out how to fix it. And he recruited me. And um, I changed careers and got insurance and securities licensed. And I did that for a few years. In fact, when Wells Fargo and Wachovia were merging, I had been at Wachovia at that time and Wells Fargo took them over. And um, so I've had a lot of experience of transition. And um, my mother eventually had a terminal illness and my sister and I were her caretakers. So from just a personal standpoint, uh, almost everything that I do for clients, I've experienced myself. Mm -hmm. I've worked my way through school. I've been a caretaker to an elderly parent. I've lost a parent. I've gotten married. I've gotten divorced. I've gotten remarried. Um, blended families. <laughs> yeah, so I have firsthand experience. And because I was a journalism major and all the financial jargon used to confuse me to death, I totally understand to explain things visually in a simple way so the jargon's not overwhelming. Okay, great. Yeah, that, that can definitely happen in financial yeah. <laughs> um, Okay. So my next question uh, for you, Deborah, is what is the most important financial priority for a family? Since this is a, a, a family show, let's say it's for parents. Yeah. Uh, can you tell them what's the most important financial um, priority? Well, it really depends on each individual and each individual family. Every family's unique. There can be children and there can be multiple children. Um, often there's non-traditional parents. Um, sometimes there's just a single mother or single dad um, and blended step families. It really depends on that family situation what their priority is, because not everybody has the same starting point. A lot of people learned the financial things that I learned the hard way when they were children, when their parents um, gave them a savings account, for example. Yeah. But um, in general, families need to focus on cash flow, making sure that you have adequate liquidity or money in the bank to cover any unexpected expense. So if families have not set up an emergency fund, one thing about COVID makes it obvious why you need to have access to savings, liquid money so you don't have to sell things mm -hmm. because you can lose your job, you can get sick, unexpected things happen, and it's just part of life. And if you own a home, you're gonna need to maintain it. So if your dishwasher broke down or you needed four new tires, mm -hmm. you would have money and you would have that available to you and you wouldn't have to sell everything. So um, an emergency fund and having a good handle on your expenses is the top priority, no matter who you are. And as far as investments go, when I'm prioritizing, getting your cash flow is number one, having that taken care of. Mm -hmm. And then having your assets protected by insurance, because if you don't have homeowners is required if you've got a mortgage, but if you don't have insurance to cover losses when things that are unexpected occur, 
for example, if you had COVID and you didn't have disability and it was one of the lingering cases so that you didn't work for months and months, mm-hmm. um, insurance can take care of those unexpected situations. And then you would need to think about retirement, college, any other um, priorities that you had. But your first thing is to take care of the day-to-day, the immediate needs, and then go Mm long-term. That's great advice. Uh, When should a parent start saving for a child's college? I know you mentioned college here. Yeah. Well, as soon as possible, if those other priorities are taken care of, because it would be like having a roof floating in the air without laying the foundation and the walls of the house. If you don't have those other things established, you're not going to be able to maintain it and keep going and um, have a strong financial uh, structure in place. So for college planning, if the family has cash flow, have their emergency fund, have all their insurance things in place, I generally will tell parents that their own retirement has priority. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if we're able to do it um, simultaneously, we can just put a percentage of money away in savings for the child and for the parents for their retirement. And that way, we cover both things, and neither one has a shortfall if you begin early and you do it a little bit at a time and you're consistent. Consistency mm-hmm. is the weakness in a lot of people's financial plans. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah a lot of things happen and uh, that's Well, the up. unexpected, that's why the emergency fund is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I saved uh, when I first was a, in uh, education, let's say as a teacher, I was uh, putting it away in the 403B. So now I'm so happy because I stayed consistent with that for like 25 years and now that's paying off. So I am all for people putting money away. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And over time it may go up and down, but over time the trend, even though it's doing this, it's also doing this. That's right. So it rises over time. Mm -hmm. And when you're putting a little bit of money in, on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis, say you can afford $400 a month, that $400 will buy more shares when the market is down. So it's like buying shoes on sale. You can mm-hmm. get two for one when yeah, the market's sure down. <laughs> and then when it recovers, what you have is worth more. So your actual balance is more valuable. Right. So um, that's, that's that into it. That's right. concept is called dollar cost averaging. And that's generally the best way to approach savings for college. Mm-hmm. And um, most people are confused by the types of accounts. There are uh, three basic college savings accounts that most parents are familiar with. UGMAs and UPMAs are uniform transfer to minors accounts and uniform um, guardian for minors. I actually forgotten what UGMA stands for, but um, these are custodial accounts. You can set them up at the bank. You can set them up with a brokerage account and uh, the investments can be conservative like a CD at the bank, or it can be mutual funds 
or uh, ETFs, and um, you can set aside money for the child when they're infants, if you're able to, but mm-hmm. over time and become more conservative in the investment. So by the time they're ready to use the funds when they're 18, um, you have a nice little balance ready to go. And generally you would estimate uh, whether it's gonna be a public school or a private school, the tuition and calculate, and this is something that I do and my software is great. If you people can refer to my website and their calculators for this, Mm-hmm. But um, college has increased on average about 13% over four years for a degree. So you have wow. to calculate inflation in to be ready because the expenses are outrageous in comparison to when I was in school. So, yeah, they yeah. are going so But the, um, uh, UMAs and UTMAs are one type of account. Um, Coverdale savings accounts are another type. Um, those have become kind of obsolete because of 529s. 529s are tax qualified. That means that the savings that you put in can grow without being taxed when the money's pulled out for a qualified expense. That is tuition, room and board. Um, uniforms, computers, things that are directly related to education. And the SECURE Act that was passed recently actually allows K through 12 to use up to $10,000 a year for a 529 account. Oh, okay. So that is a great improvement. For example, some of your clients might be able to, uh, instead of money that they were using for their student for tuition, they could use their 529 for tuition for school and then pay your fees for tutoring. That's right. So so that would be a good um, flexibility of a 529. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. about that. Yeah. So, but... Tax qualified does uh, create a great advantage because UGMAs and UTMAs transfer when the child uh, reaches age of majority, that money becomes theirs. It's a custodial account that's irrevocable. So if a grandparent opened it or a parent opened it, then the child turns 18 they can go to Vegas and you can't do anything. <laughs> so that's the disadvantage. <laughs> so that's the utmost um, uh, and the utmost. Yeah. But the advantage is that it's as a custodial account, um, parents can put the money in and then the money comes out for educational purposes or the use uh, to health, maintenance, education, normal expenses of caring for a child. Um, And that's ordinary income tax. So that's the main difference, the tax structure and the the titling of the account. They're both custodial accounts. Okay. And um, should students and or parents obtain loans to pay for college, would you say? Well, it depends. Um, A lot of times, College loans are a good thing if you go in with your eyes open, but um, people don't understand that these loans 
are not dischargeable. So if something happened, a lot of times if people bought a car or they bought a home or something happened and they filed bankruptcy or the home was in foreclosure, um, those loans ultimately are forgiven. Mm -hmm. Um, In the event of student loans, those are not currently. So people will defer and then they'll have interest and penalties and their balance gets enormous. I actually know a chiropractor with a balance that's so huge, it's larger than her mortgage. So she's deferred on several occasions and refinanced. And now she has this gigantic loan balance that is her biggest expense. And Mm -hmm. she has children that are in elementary school and her own college expenses, even though she's in her forties are still a burden on her. And she doesn't anticipate having that paid until her kids are grown themselves. So, um, I do not recommend um, having enormous balances, borrow as little as you can because there's scholarships, people can work, people can skip a year. I mean, there's so many ways to adjust and plan and other ways to pay for school. And that is one reason that uh, retirement is the priority over college because you can't get loans for retirement but you can for college. <laughs> so um, hopefully that answered your question or did it actually make it less clear? Well, it, make, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, if, if people go in with their eyes open and they're responsible and they don't borrow too much, um, mm-hmm loans are a reasonable way to pay for school because statistics prove that kids that only graduate from high school um, do not earn nearly as much as college graduates. In fact, 67% more income over a normal lifespan and a lot less unemployment with a college degree than just um, high school. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, So um, in terms of, are there any thing that parents ask you that is a common question that you want to share with our audience? I know our time is wrapping up here soon, and I just thought there might be something that you hear a lot about that parents are asking you. Well, a lot of times people do not have estate planning taken, uh, priority or they haven't thought about that because like life insurance, nobody wants to think about dying, but um, estate plans are very important. If you have children, you need to think about if something happened to you, um, who would raise your children? That is very important to establish a plan for guardianship because you don't want each set of grandparents fighting over your child if something happened to you. Mm -hmm. So having estate planning in place and people are confused about trust. Trust are just a legal document while your child is a minor that can hold assets and uh, be the beneficiary if something happened to you. Um, And you can appoint a guardian of your children that can be trustee and 
mm. uh, handle the funds on your behalf. There's so many things that people can do that give them flexibility and give them the ability to uh, provide for them, their families, no matter what happens to them. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, if you plan for the worst, it almost never happens. <laughs> but, but if you don't plan and the unexpected occurs, it happens at the worst possible time in most cases. Right. Yeah. And with a pandemic showing up, that, yeah. that's because if, if people if people have comorbidities, um, they really do need to go ahead and put that estate planning a priority and take care of that too. Because mm-hmm. um, my dad had a will and he had things in place, but I'm the youngest of six. My parents had been married for 20 years when I was born. So he put some things in place, but they never updated. Mm-hmm. So by the time um, my dad died, everything had changed for my parents. So um So in a way, we were, in addition to the emotional devastation, it was just harder than it should have been if things had been in place. So that's why I'm super passionate about taking care of my people's families, no matter what their situation is. That way we're good. If things go great, we're good. If things don't go great, you're still going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And that's important to parents. And even a trusted will with people who don't have children, everybody should pretty much take care of that and, and have somewhere where they want their money to go or, or whatever. Yeah. Well, if you, you have control over what happens ultimately because the laws in place will make the decision for you if you don't go ahead and establish it in writing. Right. Yep. We've taken care of ours. <laughs> That's smart. Um, I've been sitting on it for a while and I was like, it's time to go do that. <laughs> so we did. Um, well, people don't also, they forget to update their beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. So particularly in cases where couples divorce oh, and yeah. you don't update that, if something happened to you, your ex-spouse rather than your current wife and children might wind up being the beneficiary. So um, I've seen that happen far too often and it's so avoidable by just a piece of paper. Right. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Um, So tell everybody um, how they can reach you website. Yeah. Well, as I said earlier, um, my designation is investment advisor representative that means that I'm a legal fiduciary and all of that you can learn from my website. There are a lot of little calculators. There are a lot of little very simple whiteboard cartoons, sort of short videos that are great tools to help people understand. Mm-hmm. And it's www.debradonaldsonscott.com. That's Debra, D-E-B-R-A, Donaldson, D-O-N-A-L-D-S-O-N, Scott, S-C-O-T-T, dot com. And if you go to my website and you have questions, I'm happy to reach out to you and provide 
guidance any way that I can. Um, I am a fee-based planner, so reach out to me if I can help you. I'd love to. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us today and sharing your uh, knowledge with parents about 529s and the Coverdells and the Ugmas and the Upmas. I learned something new myself today. <laughs> well, good. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And I'm all for people need to plan and people need to save well in advance because my, my parents did that for me. They kicked me off a long time ago and I took that and just kept you know, rolling it over and adding to it. And so happy now that I have 25, 30 years later. <laughs> it makes an incredible difference to have a little bit of financial security because there's enough to worry about in addition to money. So. <laughs> Especially during this time. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you very much, Deborah, for joining us. And uh, audience, um, again, um, I have a, a K-12 tutoring service, Dynamis Learning Academy. We help children reach their potential by um, helping you uh, find whatever it is that your child is struggling with and solving that problem. So reach out to me at helen at dynamislearningacademy.com. That's a long one, so I'll spell it, H-E-L-E-N at Dynamis, D-Y-N-A-M-I-S, Learning, L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G, Academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-Y dot com. Or you can call me at 770-282-9931 or text me at that number. Take care and thank you again for joining us on this podcast. Thank you for listening to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Whenever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to dynamislearningacademy.com slash podcast. You may also contact me if you need tutoring assistance for your child. I may be reached at helen at dynamislearningacademy.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.